Heading into this past Christmas, I found myself searching for a gift that would truly resonate with my son. That's when I stumbled upon Blake Brewer's incredible journey on the Today Show. His mission? To help one million parents pen a well-crafted, enduring legacy letter. Inspired, I decided to take the Legacy Letter Challenge Masterclass. Now, Blake's step-by-step -step guidance made the process a breeze. Now, I'll admit there was a moment that brought tears to my eyes. A writing exercise where I penned the letter my father never had the chance to write. It transported me back to that November Saturday in 2012 by my dad's bedside as cancer took its toll. Unable to speak, I connected my son Spencer to bid his final farewell. Motivated by this powerful experience, I crafted my own legacy letter, a heartfelt message from my son, filled with wisdom and cherished stories. Now I'm urging you to seize this opportunity to create a lasting impact on your family's future. Visit executorhelplegacyletter.com to witness Blake's inspiring story. And then join the Legacy Letter Challenge today and start shaping your own narrative, one word at a time. A legacy isn't just what you leave behind, it's about how you leave a positive impact on those you care the most about. So go to executorhelplegacyletter.com. Don't let silence be your legacy. On this episode, I have a conversation with Della Kirkman. Della shares her journey from being a single mom working at Cracker Barrel to becoming a successful entrepreneur, international speaker, and publisher of the Shifting Gears newsletter. She's going to shed some light on the importance of being prepared for the unexpected life events and the impact it can have on business owners. This episode is a must-listen for aspiring entrepreneurs and business owners looking to navigate the challenge and triumphs of entrepreneurship. This is the Executor Help Podcast, the show for people who want the sense of security knowing all their affairs are in order. Avoid the stress and anxiety of what could happen to your estate, to your assets, and to your family when you're no longer here. Now here's your host, David Eady. My guest today, Della Kirkman, interesting lady. In less than 10 years, she's gone from being a single mom serving tables at Crackle Barrel to buying her first business, growing it, and then selling it. Today, she's an international speaker and the publisher of Shifting Gears newsletter. Its goal is to help people grow and sell their businesses and provide an educational platform. She's also encouraging women to pursue their dreams of entrepreneurship through acquisition. Actually, her real mission is to create 10,000 female acquisition entrepreneurs. Appreciate hey, David, thanks so much time. for having me. I appreciate you. No problem. With your ex you know, expertise in encouraging women to pursue their entrepreneurship, through acquisition, you know, buying businesses. Now, from time to time, life events get in the way. Could you maybe, you know, start us off with a story about the importance of being prepared for the unexpected events like um, a death, disability, or divorce, which can have an effect on a business owner? Yeah, so I don't know. I hate to start off with such a sad story, David, but, you know, life is sad sometimes. So we actually had a pizza pub that we sold um, on seller financing or contract terms, which means that they did not get a loan from the bank. They're paying us as the sellers of the business on a monthly basis. And so this was um, a long-term deal that we had arranged with them. And we were a few years into this particular deal. And, you know, they're operating the business fully. All we're really doing is collecting the payments and offering our advice um, when asked but one night um, I got a phone call from a friend and they asked if we were still involved with the sellers and still involved with the restaurant at that point in time. And of course I said, yes, you know, and explained a little bit about the situation. And what my friend had shared was that they had just driven by their house 
and it was late at night and it was dark, but the place was crawling with cops covered in police tape and something terrible had obviously happened. And I didn't find out till a few hours later, um, but their son had tragically passed away um, in a gun accident that evening at their home. And this was uh, Memorial Day weekend, um, a busy weekend, you know, of course, for bars and other recreational establishments. Um, and so I sent our, our buyer, you know, her name's Melissa. I sent Melissa just a little short love text. I mean, what do you say to somebody at that point in time? But just to let her know that I was thinking about her. And um, early the next morning, she called me and she asked me if we could come back and run the bar for her um, for the next week or so while she prepared for that funeral and, of course, took care of her other, other young children. And, you know, I talk a lot about transition planning. Um, when you sell a business, transitioning that to the new owner really needs to have a lot of thought put into it just as much as the deal itself. Um, but, you know, how do you plan for something like this? It wasn't in my transition plan as the seller. It wasn't in her transition plan, of course, as the buyer. And so, I mean, what do we do? We dropped everything and we went back and we ran that bar for her for that next week so that she could take care of her family. Yeah, it, it's when you know, when and you, you, you know, you're helping buyers and sellers with the businesses. Why do you think that um, entrepreneurs or business owners don't think about those unexpected tragedies ever happening? Why don't they plan for that? You know, I think part of it is human nature. We don't want to face our death or destruction, so to speak. And as entrepreneurs, more specifically, we're super optimistic and we always think things are going to go our way and we can figure things out. That's part of what makes us entrepreneurs. And so I think we just kind of put it off thinking that we always have more time to figure figure out that negativity. Um, although, unfortunately, those are the things that creep up when we least expect them. Yeah, it. I know you've done some research. Um, you you say that um, one in five businesses, according to the Small Business Association, that um, one in twelve businesses actually simply either something bad happens, they either close their doors every year, or there's no sale at at all. Do primary primary to um, poor planning or no planning at all. What is what do you think should be? when it comes to the buying or the selling that entrepreneurs should be thinking about, um, you know, about that exit plan, if, if an unexpected uh, emergency might happen, like a death or a divorce or something like that. Said no matter what, something is always going to come up in life because that's how life works. And it may not even always be a negative thing, but um, positive opportunities arise also. But there's always going to be something that comes up from time to time that is going to alter alter your priorities in life and therefore alter your priorities with the business. So you just really always have to be planning for that unexpected event from day one. Yeah. So let's, we'll talk a little bit more on the positive side. What is it that you do? Um, or and when, if someone's about to buy a business, what, what should they be looking for um, to, to get organized, make sure that they're, they're making the right purchase? Well, there's always a financial due diligence is one of the big things. And that's what a lot of people talk about, you know, going through the tax returns, going through the financials, making sure that it is a profitable business and you know exactly what kind of situation you're getting into. But even more subtly than that is make sure you're buying a business that suits your lifestyle and your needs and the things that you want to create for yourself. So if you 
Um, you know, for example, if you hate customer interaction, don't buy a business that puts you as the star customer interaction person. You know, if you love to do social media, buy a business that needs social media help um, that you can provide. So, you know, buy a lifestyle fit, buy a skills fit and, you know, buy the business that's right for you. It doesn't need to be right for everybody, just for you. Yeah. Do, do most people buy a business because it seems like a good idea? You know, maybe in a particular area, they don't have a particular type of restaurant, but you don't have any restaurant experience. But you figure, you know what, people are going to come and eat there and I'm just going to, I'll buy a business, a restaurant and I'll just open there. Do just people buy the dream or they don't really take into a consideration the thought and the work that's involved? Yeah, they do often buy the dream, so to speak. And whether people want to admit it or not, everyone has wanted to own a bar or restaurant at one point in time because it seems like so much fun and all your friends come and visit you and drink at your bar. Um, but it's a lot of hard work, but especially as a first-time buyer, the best advice I can give you is to stick with something that you already know. So stick with a skill that you're good at, stick with an industry that you're already familiar with, and just become a more experienced business buyer and operator, then that would be a more appropriate time to venture outside of your comfort zone and um, kind of explore other other aspects and other industries. So what was what's the your goal behind wanting to help 10,000 female entrepreneurs um, become entrepreneur acquisitors. Was that that the right uh, term? I know it's a mouthful, isn't it? Yes. I'm on a mission to help create 10,000 female acquisition entrepreneurs. So there's a lot of thought that goes behind that. Um, The most basic is that entrepreneurship really can cure almost everything that ails us. I mean, whatever your problems are, I really think entrepreneurship can solve that. But most people automatically think of starting from scratch when they think of going into business for themselves or becoming an entrepreneur. And that startup route is just super hard. It takes a long time. It burns through your resources, meaning your cash, as opposed to putting money in your pocket. And there's no reason to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. There's plenty of great businesses out there that need the next person to take them over, that need a buyer. And you can step in and you can get profit from day one. You can get product market fit from day one. You have customers from day one. So you can really buy whatever kind of a lifestyle you need. If you need $100,000 a year to complete your lifestyle, buy a business that's spitting out $100,000 a year in profit. If you need more than that, buy a business that spits out more than that. But in conjunction with that, that business should also be paying for itself. Even if you get a loan or do seller financing, as I mentioned, the payments for that business should come out of the business itself while still providing you that level of income and profit that you need for your own lifestyle. Yeah. What would you say to the, we'll talk to the female entrepreneurs listening, or the potential? They say, I can't do that. There's no way that that's, it, it, it's just numbers. I, there's no way that I could ever run a business. Uh, what business do I have running a business? What 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 would you say to help someone make that decision and to make that step to well, become an entrepreneur? Yeah, if you really think you can't, then you probably can't. So a lot of it is just mindset and putting yourself out there. Now, the situation that I was in when I first bought my business, um, I actually bought that with a partner and he was very experienced in operating a business. He was this was a tax practice. So he was very experienced um, in taxes and running a tax practice. But we came up with a unique situation where we really needed certain things from each other. And so it made a great business buying partnership. 
So I actually bought that with another um, more experienced partner. And that's a really great strategy as well. So, you know, everybody jokes around or, you know, the saying, you know, what would Jesus do? Well, in our case, it was what would Doug do? Because why reinvent the wheel? Doug's already doing it and knows how to do it. And he's doing it well. So we're just going to copy and emulate everything that he's doing. Do you feel that having, you know, venturing out to become an entrepreneur, that partnering with somebody was probably the best first step? Um, Suppose somebody doesn't have a mentor or somebody to work with, and they pretty much feel that they're going to be on their own. Is that something that probably holds back a lot of uh, female entrepreneurs or any entrepreneur? Well, having a partner was a great first step for me. And honestly, it made it pretty easy because again, I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. I stepped into a business that already had systems in place and I did it with somebody that was already successful. Um, But there are lots of ways you could find that partner. I mean, that partner could be the person selling the business. Yeah. It doesn't have to be somebody that you go out and pull off the street and say, hey, let's go buy a business together. It can be somebody that's already in the business. It could be somebody that has um, a lot of funds that they want to deploy, but don't really know how to deploy them or can't find a suitable investment. And so they could be the money and experienced person. And you as the newbie could be the day-to-day operator where they're using their cash and their expertise and you're actually running the business and learning from them at the same time. So besides the the money side, which the partner could be bringing or you could be bringing as a potential entrepreneur um, and you or you handling, you know, the skills of the day to day business. Are there any other traits or any other things that a potential uh, person should look for in, in in a partner? I think mostly just the willingness to teach and learn, depending on which side of that you're on. Um, But, you know, anybody that's kind of stuck in the mud or can only see things from one perspective is probably not going to be suitable for this. So, you know, in entrepreneurship, new things come our way every day and we need to have an open mind and um, challenges with gusto is something that we used to say at my office, you know, bring on the challenges because we're going to handle them with a smile on our face and know that we're learning at the same time. Yeah. So, and what about, have you come across a situation where um, a entrepreneur inherits a business due to a death and and a um, you know a business falls in their in their lap and they have absolutely no idea or no interest in running the business what 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 should someone do if they're, they're put in that situation yeah well before you get in that situation you should encourage your partner to do some positive succession planning Um, But I do actually have a friend and her husband passed away a few years ago, and he was the majority owner of a business with his father. And, um, you know, it it ended well, but it was a very challenging time for her and for the father um, of the original business owner that remained. And their relationship did become stressed through this business ownership and partnership. And now, you know, they've sold. And so things are smoothing out. Um, But that was a really hard road for her. And it really didn't have to be. I mean, honestly, they should have done some more planning and taken that into consideration. Now, he did not pass suddenly, but he did pass fairly quickly after um, the onset of a disease. But honestly, you know, of course, easy to say from the outside looking in, but he really had plenty of time to probably handle that situation a little bit better. And he probably should have. Um, And at the same time, she probably should have encouraged him 
to plan that transition out a little bit more carefully as well. But you just kind of have to roll with it and pull in as many of the good advisors as you can and uh, just keep chugging away. So I know we you you brought up the, the the term succession plan, and that's different from an estate plan. What what goes into a good succession plan? Uh, well, you know, as a business owner, you should really always be working towards two exits, regardless of what your true intentions are. You should always be working towards two exits. And that first exit would be to work your way out of the day-to-day operations of the business. So that business is no longer dependent on you. And then the second exit, of course, to sell your business at some point in time, um, whether you choose to do that or situations arise that force you, so to speak, to do that. But yeah, always be working towards those two exits. And the first one is to get yourself out of that business so it's not dependent upon you. It's going to make your life easier. It's going to make your business more valuable. And it's going to make things easier to handle in those emergency situations. Or if a great opportunity came your way, it'd be easier you know, to take advantage of that opportunity without putting your current business at risk. Do most business owners think about succession planning? Do do they no. go through the steps? <laughs> well, That's that was a simple two-letter answer, N-O. Wow, that was quick. Okay, so why don't they do because you, you you say that you know there's two parts to owning a business why don't they take that extra step and do so succession planning i think a lot of it's just some of the things that we already talked about i mean they're eternal optimists they think they're going to live forever and keep going on a lot of these businesses are their babies so to speak it's something that they've built from scratch and they've put their blood sweat and tears in for years and years even decades and decades and they just can't hardly see um parting from that business it's part of their identity Um, And, you know, facing that or dealing with succession planning is also dealing with your own mortality. And that's just a hard pill for people to swallow. How is important for um, when it comes to the succession plan that entrepreneurs collaborate with other professionals, such as lawyers and financial advisors, to make sure that they've got a plan in place? You know, where where do they fall into the, you know, the overall scheme of of a good succession plan? Yeah, in general, I would think that's kind of phase two of the planning. Um, And you definitely need to have your deal team together. You know, anytime you're in business, you're always going to end up needing an attorney at some point in time, a financial advisor at some point in time. So you need to be building those relationships from the very beginning. Um, And remember that just because you have an attorney doesn't mean you can't have another attorney because there's so many specialties within Uh, the practice of law. So you want to be building that team out and have them in place before you actually need them. But the first step before that, again, is just exiting yourself from the business, which means making the business less dependent on you, um, delegating tasks, developing standard operating procedures, documenting all of these things. So that theoretically, if you were to step out, someone could come in read through the standard operating procedure, you know, familiarize themselves with the business and hopefully be able to do what you do on a day-to-day basis. Someone's listening right now. They are business owners or they're about to buy a business or about to sell. Who should, how do they get the, you know, get the ball rolling when it comes to succession planning? How do they get started? If we're already saying that they're not going to do it because (laughs) it's not on the, it's not on the, the front burner. It's way, 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 way back in the back on the back burner. Right. For some of us that we've triggered somebody and they say, you know what, Della and Della is saying making a lot of sense, but where do I start? Where do I go? What do I do? How do I get this started? Yeah, I would start with the attorney and just doing some basic estate planning. 
you know, listing out all of your assets and where you want those assets to go um, in your demise. And also talking with your accountant, your tax practitioner, so that you can get a general idea of what are going to be some of the tax implications if you were to pass away and how you can maybe start to mitigate some of those now. You're going to go in and say to the lawyer, you know what, I'm, I've been thinking about if something was to happen to me and, and how, how do we get this started in terms of the succession plan? So that should open up a whole realm of questions from the lawyer and what, and what kind of questions should the lawyer be asking or should the entrepreneur expect the lawyer to ask? Yeah, I mean, one of the most basic things is make a list of all of your assets, all the things that you have that somebody else is going to become the owner of if you pass and make a list of the people and maybe the organizations that you care the most about that you want to receive those. Um, and if we're talking about taking over a business, then you might want to consider some skill level there as well. I mean, Maybe you want your grandchildren to have your business, but are they really ready to take it over and what's going to happen in the meantime? Um, so those are kind of the, the first basics is what do you have and who is in your life that you want to take care of? You've given a lot of, uh, we've had this conversation and you've got people already starting to think about, well, what would I do? Tell me a little bit more about your business and how people can get in touch with you. Yes, like I said, and like we've uh, the mouthful, I'm on a mission to help create 10,000 female acquisition entrepreneurs. And, you know, I do a lot of in-person and online networking and everybody wants to be in entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is cool. I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Vee, but I think he's one of the biggest proponents that's made yeah. um, entrepreneurship just as cool as being in the NFL or the NBA. But I really want to make people aware because it never occurs to anyone to buy a business. They always think they have to start from scratch. And this, as soon as I uh, propose that to them, then they automatically think that they have to already be rich in order to buy a business. And that's absolutely not the case. I did it with no money out of my pocket. And I've actually sold a business in exchange for a privacy fence job. So there's all kinds of different opportunities out there with seller financing. Um, in the States here, we have a great SBA program. There's ways you can use your 401k to buy a business without paying taxes on those funds. And we talked about finding a partner with money to deploy into a business acquisition. So there's all kinds of ways you can actually exchange your skills um, for equity in a business. And that's something we kind of alluded to as well. So I think that was five really great ways that you could buy a business. And I'm on a mission to help people know that it's so much easier to buy a business than it is to start from scratch. And they can reach out to me on all the different social media channels. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook a lot. I have lots of free tools on my website. Um, for due diligence and report. What's the website uh, URL? Yeah, at shiftinggears.com. And that's shift hyphen, the letter N hyphen gears.com. Wow. And I'm also developing a strategy specifically to help people through these steps. Um, because everybody, you know, like I said, once they get the uh, idea of acquisition on their radar, they're super excited about it, but it's also an overwhelming process. You know, where do you start? How do you find a business? How do you find a partner? And so I, I'm getting ready to lay all that out to help people um, and walk that path with them. Wow. Della Kirkman, I want to thank you so much for being here today. You've given, you know, the entrepreneur, first off, you're helping a lot of you know, in, encouraging a lot of female entrepreneurs to get in. And and I would say that's angel work. You want to, you know, get more uh, females involved in running businesses because I think women are smarter than men between you and I. And if I won't we, tell anybody. Okay. So, we, well, I'm not, I'm not going to say people aren't listening, but they are listening. And by you helping them out, that, that's an amazing uh, 
initiative. And you've also given food for thought for individuals who are haven't thought about what would happen if, you know, the business, if an unexpected uh, emergency came up, a death, a divorce, a disability, and what they need to do. So you've given a lot of great information and they can go to your website to get even more information. And I want to thank you so much for being here today on the podcast. And hopefully we'll do another conversation a little bit more. Maybe when you're at 9,999 female entrepreneurs, um, we'll have another conversation, probably before then, but I'm just throwing that number out there. It's just a goal. Love to come back for a progress report, David. That'd be super fun. Thank you so much for joining me. All right, have a wonderful day. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Can you do me a favor? Show some love for the podcast by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Can you share it with your community? Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want more information, free resources, or just want to get in touch, go to davidedy.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.